0: Hey guys, what's up? My name is Marina Paul. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Jocks podcast. I created Jocks as a way to sort of help fill the void of losing your sport and hopefully find a solution. The best solution I have right now is sharing the stories of your fellow teammates and athletes around the country and around the world um, so we could sort of figure out how to do this all together. I'm super grateful that my first interviewee was a good family friend, Devin Pearson. Devin is currently the assistant to amateur scouting for the Boston Red Sox and they just won a World Series. He has a ring and everything. It's awesome. So Devin's main job is to pretty much identify future prospects for the Boston Red Sox team so they can continue to win more World Series. And he identifies players through high school and college um, in the U.S. and in Puerto Rico. And Devin described pretty much what that looks like is there are, the Red Sox have 30 scouts who are all around the country recruiting players all year long, um, and these scouts have really made direct impacts on winning the World Series this past year. So some of these scouts you know, drafted those players that who were crucial um, to winning. And so all of these scouts really report into Devin and his assistant director and the director of amateur scouting. In Devin's role, it's mainly reading all of the scouts' players' evaluations, understanding the players in their certain areas, and really seeing... If the player is a great overall human. Um, And then Devin also helps leveraging needs for uh, the scouts and then ensuring pretty much that the whole process runs pretty efficiently and smoothly. Devin said that the Red Sox are really the trailblazers in assessing a player's worth by, you know, evaluating the player as an entire whole, not just what their batting average is or how many hits they took away on defense. And I think this really pays a testament as to the legacy of of the Red Sox and how, you know, great they are unbiasedly um, as an organization. And I think that has tremendous value in the way you kind of look at businesses now. Another big part of Devin's role is traveling around the country to see these prospects firsthand, um, whether it's to high schools or colleges, and really assessing sort of what's out there and what could be the future of the Red Sox. So, at a young age of 24 years old, Devin Pearson has pretty much a direct hand in the future of the Red Sox success. So, Devin's life now looks a lot different than it did towards the end of his college career. Um, He went to the University of California, Berkeley, and was on the baseball team, but What a lot of people don't know is that he actually committed to Stanford to play football his junior year of high school. Come January of Devin's senior year of high school, Devin found out that the defensive coordinator who had recruited him to play football at Stanford had accepted a job with Oakland Raiders as their new defensive coordinator. And with that coaching change at Stanford, the new defensive coordinator brought in his own players and Devin was kind of out of position. So he kind of scrambled and started to look at options to play baseball. And he was looking at University of California, Santa Barbara, as well as Oregon. But he ended up choosing Cal purely based off of the experience, the location, and education he thought he would receive. His baseball career at Cal is filled with Pac-12 honors as well as being the team's captain for two years. He's super humble and would never share that with me, so of course I had to to go dig it up. But what really stood out to me are Devin's values, his entire character, and how he deals with adversity. It makes sense that the Red Sox want him choosing the future state of their team and their, their dynasty because Devin truly embodies everything that they're looking for. Again, I'm super excited to share Devin's story with you guys. He personifies the idiom, go with the pitch, and you'll get a hit in every sense of the phrase just because of the way he approaches adversity and comes out successful in the end. And I think his whole philosophy on life of just being a great leader and finding sort of the thing that fuels your fire is just incredible. So I hope you guys love it.
1: Definitely been there and experienced that, and uh, I think it's really hard for for kids if you've been a part of a team your whole life and then you all of a sudden don't have that. It, like you said, there's a void there, um, so everyone has to find a way to fill it. Yeah, we don't want to draft kids that one are gonna have feuds with teammates, or also are gonna be bad role models in the community, and then also those people don't tend to make it you know they tend to have something go on or flame out or get in trouble so makeup's really important for us this is going to be my second draft um or no it's gonna be my third draft so two and a half years
2: how did you get involved with the red Sox? um
1: really crazy kind of story that goes with what you've been saying um i was working in commercial real estate and I absolutely hated it. But I immediately joined after college, but um, our office was just uh, not a good team, is probably the best way to put it. We didn't work together on anything. It was kind of dog-eat-dog, which is the business, but dog-eat-dog within your own office isn't a good culture. I quit that job, I went back home, I was working for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the golf tournament, and doing sponsorships, which was cruel. And then I got a call out of the blue from a guy in the Red Sox front office to come interview for an internship, and I flew out the next day, interviewed, I was told I got a job a week later, and moved to Boston. Crazy train of events.
2: Did you know that guy at all?
1: He went to Cal, and he's honestly he's my biggest mentor and a role model for uh-huh. me. But I I didn't know him. Paul Taboni, your brother, would have played with him. But he he's our assistant director of amateur scouting, and we. We didn't really know each other. We just kind of knew each other's names. I guess he had heard good things and called out of the yeah. blue, and now he's he's the man. So.
2: Oh, my yeah. gosh. How awesome is that now to work with someone who, one, you can kind of look up to and then, like, is a mentor and who sort of – I mean, he totally understands what you went through, especially at Cal. Like, how yeah. crucial is that now?
1: It's awesome. I think just having, you know, similar backgrounds – being out here and, and working together and kind of similar values is huge. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really lucky to work with him. And then our, our director of amateur scouting, Mike Rickards, very similar, is, is a mentor to me as well. And they've both been really good role models for not only the baseball aspect of it, but like how to be a man. And uh, really thankful for those guys. So I would say the Red Sox fan base is extremely passionate and loves the Boston Red Sox. It is like a family, and they'll fight for their team verbally and yeah. physically if need be.
2: <laughs>
1: in our office, I would say it really is a family. Like our culture is the reason why people stay in Boston and work for the Red yeah. Sox. We have true family culture, and like the guys hang out with each other out of the office, we play basketball together. Like it's, it's you enjoy going to work every day, and I don't think a lot of us have created that culture so far. So it's it's a special thing that we have just like being on a team, you know, like you kind of have your, your locker room jokesters, you have the guys that um, are a little more serious. It really is like being in the locker room. And a lot of these guys grew up in locker rooms like myself.
2: How did you kind of learn how to become a scout? Is it, does it does it help that you played baseball for so many years? Did
1: you just see it a certain
2: way or did you have to learn how to see it differently?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's funny because I thought Originally, uh, coming out and scouting, I figured it would be kind of easy, just given playing for a long time, and I think I'm somewhat intelligent, but it it, it really is a different way to look at the game, game. and I've learned so much from our scouts and the guys I mentioned earlier, Paul and Rick, trying to project on what a high school or college player is going to become in Major League Baseball, so you have to look at it with that kind of perspective and it can be challenging and you're going to be wrong a lot but it's really exciting when you think you're right and uh find a good player so
2: yeah on like such a granular level it reminds me of like in college but you guys are putting like a hefty price tag on most of these people So there's just like so much more that goes into it. But it's like, like you said, when you get that Cy Young like award winner someday, it's massive. Like that's so cool. Or you win a national championship or something like that.
1: Yeah, very similar to recruiting because it's not getting to know what type of player.
2: That's what I imagine like a proud parent is like,
1: like being a proud parent, you also have a lot of, these guys have a lot of nights where they stay up late because their kid isn't performing very well. And then I got mad at Oh my gosh. Uh, and they can't do
2: anything about it.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah. Cal for me, just the proximity to home and then obviously the education was a no-brainer. So I decided to go there and it was a hell of an experience. I mean, I love everything about the University of California, Berkeley from uh-huh. the people, the school, the uniqueness. Um and then the baseball team, and there's a lot of special guys on that team and we tried to do our best yeah. to build sure. and um it was a lot of fun. Ideally I wouldn't have got hurt as much as I did, but uh you know life happens. So Yeah,
2: that's a really that's a really great and healthy perspective that you have on injuries cuz having gone through a couple myself, it's not like it's not easy at all especially when you have, like, all of your dreams for yourself where you just, like, that you can't really uh, do anything. out. What What were some of your injuries?
1: My sophomore year, actually with your brother, St. Cloud, Minnesota, I dove into a base, our second-to-last game of the summer, tore my labrum, got what? surgery on that shoulder, and then my handmaid exploded, got surgery on that, and then I broke my finger got surgery on that and then I uh
2: oh my god my senior
1: year senior year I tore my labrum rotator cuff and supraspinatus my right shoulder and just I guess in talking to the doctors I guess uh it was like a ticking time bomb from maybe a high school football injury and just kind of eventually it all snapped like one day I was playing catch and the next day I couldn't play catch at all so um, oh
2: my gosh
1: yeah it was a crazy t- I'm actually getting surgery on that in two weeks Finally. Oh, you are? Yeah, Cal, it's the last year Cal will pay for it, so I kind of got to get it done.
2: <laughs> you got to get it done. Not
1: <laughs> easy. Yeah.
2: All that, yeah. but dang, that's crazy. I didn't know that it was. Wow, I didn't know that you had that many.
1: Yeah, I had a lot. A
2: lot,
1: of, a lot of injuries. Uh, so
2: how many? How many years did you, were you like able? Were you able to play all four years or no?
1: Yeah, I played all four years. My surgeries, I I missed like a month in season with my hands. Um a uh, junior year I think. But other than that I I didn't miss regular season games given the injuries. Yeah. They're just like off season or whatever.
2: Oh my gosh. So is that kind of did you sort of feel this pressure? Like did you want to play professional baseball but kind of like your body didn't let you or what was that like?
1: So I my junior year I had an opportunity to get drafted with the with club, but I, I told them I was going to go back to school because I thought I could get drafted in the same spot my senior year. It would have my. Um, turns out that that was not the case because I obviously tore my shoulder and couldn't throw. And I had kind of had a decision in my mind where that was it for me like tore surgeries in three years. I kind of lost the fire. Um, and I told yeah. clubs to draft me like, I'm going to have to get surgery. It's going to take another six months or years so I can throw. Like, I'm just kind of done. Looking back on yeah. it, I, I had pursued that just maybe to to play for a little bit and get that experience. Um, I wouldn't say I regret it because I'm happy where I am now and things have turned out really well. But, yeah, I mean, I always think, you know, maybe there could have been something if I was able to play, but it just didn't work out. So.
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. That's, like, heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> but
2: also, that trial degree is, like, pretty priceless. So... Yeah. like one one silver lining. I think I see that in a lot of, like, my guy friends. Most of you have aspirations to be professional athletes, like what you dream about when you're little kids. And it seems, I don't really know, but it seems like there's a lot of pressure. It's like people automatically assume, sort of like if you're a male athlete in college, then you are trying to pursue professional sports. Like, that's just your thing when when that didn't happen to you did you like how did you kind of feel like how were you mentally was it really tough or
1: um it it for me it wasn't tough the idea of not being able to play professional sports like that didn't really affect me mentally obviously it was a dream but I, I kind of got over it quickly it was tougher for me to not have a locker room environment and like not have a team that was something that like we talked about earlier i really missed for a while that was probably the toughest thing you know you spend every moment with those guys and then now you're kind of out in the workforce it's just not the same i think it's important to kind of find something that fuels that fire whether it's playing in a rec league or whatever it might be so
2: yeah that's so true i think a lot of where we get our identity from is like those who affirm our identities around us so it's like it's okay to be super super the most passionate person you know at a bar watching a game or you know the most intense person in an office because you want to hit your sales goals or you want to like get the highest you want to get the best draft like get all of that sort of thing and I think something what I've experienced is I feel like I have to tone it down a lot just to like be more sort of even when you know, by nature, I'm like, very, very competitive. So I don't know if you experienced that in like commercial real estate. Um, it, it sounds like it was competitive, but it wasn't necessarily working together.
1: I think yeah. what you kind of said there is something that says the environment that you were in was not the right environment for you with whatever job you experienced that you're being kind of held back in. I think that the best talent that athletes have is that competitive nature. And I think that that, that ability to outwork somebody else or outwork another company is what will make athletes successful and is why so many athletes have success in their personal careers and in life. I think that there's something to be said about winning. There's a bunch of different ways to view winning, but if you're an athlete and you're fueled to beat somebody else, every moment of the day, you're going to be successful whatever you do. That's just my yeah. personal opinion.
2: Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, everyone's goal in life is to win. Winning, winning, winning. Like you're supposed to have fun, but like winning is really fun, and no one, no one has fun on a losing team. And at yeah. the same time, it's like any business prosperous when you win. So mm-hmm. that's the end goal that everyone has. And I agree. I think that there are so many characteristics that we all share, um, just with our athletic nature, that makes us. I like, just so obsessed with winning.
1: Talking to my high school football coach yesterday, um, they had a championship game yesterday, it was a big game. And we were just talking about how like, the quote, winning isn't everything, is so misunderstood. Like, winning is everything. It's just how you view winning. Like, winning can be like finding the girl of your dreams and marrying her. Like, that's a win. Winning can yeah. be being a good father. Like, that's a win. Winning can be being a successful. In business, that's a win. Like life's all about winning, and this new mm-hmm. age, and where people just want participation trophies for everything, just gonna create an environment where you're not fueled to win, and that's that's uh, not get not a good thing.
2: I think that winning is everything, but like you said, it it's described differently. And then I also think that you know that plays on with success. Success is defined so differently for for different people. But what I find hard is what success looks like now. Because for us, being in season, it's like you win. Like when you guys went to regionals, was that your mm-hmm. junior year, or year? My junior year. So getting to that place and having sort of like that feeling inside of your, pit of your stomach and being with your team, that is like the success that you want to feel in different things. But now what it looks like in work is probably a little bit different day to day. Like more like small wins and small losses, yeah. not necessarily like big moments. It might be, I don't know. Is it?
1: I mean for us obviously winning the World Series kind of shows that's our big moment in terms of Oh yeah, you winning. did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but I get what you're saying. Like I think in a in a different environment where there's maybe not one big game or series that can decide if you guys were successful or not. And if it's just an everyday office role. Um, I think winning is kind of the only way you can feel any sort of sense of winning is by hearing feedback from your peers, positive feedback from your peers and like reviews at the end of the year. I think some companies undervalue how impactful reviews can be in terms of morale for someone in the workforce. Um, so yeah. that's,
2: That's so huge. It's just like film, except I feel like film has a negative connotation, but it really is. It's like, how can you phrase things, like sandwich them, to make people feel better and and just make everyone better around you?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of my buddies said this the other day. He said, "Um, people don't leave companies. They leave bad leaders.
2: That's That's such a good point. I mean, and you think about, like, Everything that you said, it's like I didn't really. You miss your sport, obviously, but it's like everything that came with it—the lifestyle of, of being a student athlete and having all those friends, who I mean, brothers, who just understood every part of you and loved every part of you, regardless of you know whatever you did. You know?
1: Yeah. No, it's it's pretty oh. special.
2: Oh man! All right. Well, this is awesome. You have. Anything else to comment on?
1: <laughs> no, I just want to say that I think it's great what you're doing, and I know um, that it's, it's important to create. I don't know how you're necessarily going to do what the end goal of this is going to be, but just being able to connect athletes to kind of help with that, that transition is, is huge, and there isn't a space for that right now. So if you can come up with some way to create that it would be really important, and I guess my only piece of advice for people that, or maybe coming out of college or coming out of playing sports and trying to look for that, what's going to fuel their fire and make them make them excited to go to work every day would be to be patient. Um, The right opportunity will come. Don't dive into something just for the money because money honestly doesn't mean anything if you hate your day to day life. So just be patient and something will work out, but don't settle until you find something that actually makes you excited.
2: Yeah, that is, um, that is very sage advice. Seriously, um, I think athletes have a weird, a weird relationship with patience. Because um, obviously, we're patient all of our lives, going to practice every day, all that, and then you know you get to the game time. But I think, like for me especially too, I wanted the game time to be, you know, next Sunday or whenever it was when it's like you don't really know when that that game is gonna come, but you have to keep like staying focused on sort of like the fundamentals and like what what is working for you and what you do enjoy and then and then that time will come like it did for you
1: exactly i mean i I wish i hadn't jumped into the real estate route because it wasn't the right fit for me but i think i also learned a lot from that so i'm thankful for that time and happy to be where i'm at now so yeah
2: you wouldn't question where you're at now like you
0: just know that's the right thing
1: yep exactly exactly
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the first ever jocks podcast with Devin Pearson. Huge shout out to him. Thank you so much. Um, This is his walk up song 502 the come up Bryson Tiller because had to had to replay old times. Also feel free to follow us on Instagram at we are jocks and to sign up for some emails, newsletters to know what's coming up in the future. Just go to our website, www.wearejocks.com. Thanks, guys, and see you later.